0: Good to see some familiar faces coming back to campus as the semester gets started very shortly, because for the past month, y'all, it's been dead and boring without you here. A few weeks ago between uh, Christmas, uh, that Sunday, and then New Year's Day, we were closed here at Christ the King. The staff was off, and so I took off to go to Washington, D.C. with a priest friend of mine just to see the city I'd only ever been during the March for Life, and when we do that, it's crunch time. Ironically enough, we leave bright and early tomorrow morning for the same thing. But while I was there a few weeks ago, we got to see the National Basilica and offer mass here and go pray at this place and see the monuments and just enjoy the time, enjoy the city. And one particular day, I said, well, let's just hop on the metro. We'll go over to Arlington National Cemetery and we can take our time and see all the different monuments and tombs. And so as my friend and I are climbing the long, steep hill in the cold to go see the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, We just got more and more angry every step of the way. And it's not just because I had to stop every five minutes because I'm so out of shape and had to catch my breath in the cold, thin air. It's because as we're walking, despite all the signs that said, welcome to the National Cemetery, this is our nation's most sacred shrine, please conduct yourselves with respect and reverence. You had people bumping up against the trees, taking selfies with The tombstones behind them, they didn't know anybody buried there. They just happened to say, hey, this is pretty neat. Let's take some pictures. You had kids breaking off big chunks of the leftover ice from the week before, frisbeeing it across the the fields to hit whatever tombstones or people they thought would be funny. And it was just totally irreverent. Did not show honor, didn't show respect or anything. And so, being the old 20 something year old curmudgeons we are, we're just trucking along saying, this is just terrible, the youth of today, or whatever we were thinking. And then finally we get to the top of the hill to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And if you've ever been there before, you know it's the tomb, the guard who stands watch 24-7. And then this set of steps right across where you can just stand and watch. And there are about 100, 150 people on these steps, every age, every nationality, every different background. And everybody stood in absolute silence with reverence. And dare I say it wasn't just because the soldier keeping guard had a big gun in his hand either. There's something to be said about when we encounter the sacred. When we enter a space that is sacred, that is holy, it says something to us to comport ourselves differently, to behave differently. It stops us in our tracks. In a certain sense, when you walk into a Catholic church where the pastor has done such a great job of fostering reverence for our Lord, such as here at Christ the King, Father Andrew's done a wonderful job. You walk in the doors of the church, despite what's going on in the activity center, or the library upstairs or even the gathering area out there. You walk in the doors and then something changes. Even the air is different. We drop to our knee to genuflect to greet our king, our Lord. We hold silence. There's a reverence. Thank God for that. Even more so when we read the gospel today, that's what stopped John the Baptist in his tracks. John the Baptist was not known to be a quiet, timid soul. He's out there in nothing but camel skin, throwing water at people to baptize them, screaming, repent, believe in the gospel, prepare the way of the Lord. He, his name is known. He's made a name for himself. And yet, he's doing what he's doing, and then in the gospel today, he stops what he's doing in his tracks and points at Jesus and says, behold, that's the Lamb of God. That's the one I've been telling you about. He is the one that I've been talking about. He's bigger than I am because he existed before me. Now, the irony that nobody else but John would have known is that Jesus was born months after John the Baptist. Chronologically, he's younger, but theologically, he existed from all eternity. He's the one John the Baptist says. He's the Lamb of God, and the good Jews of the time would have known that that's the Messiah, that man with his disciples, the one just walking over there. Where's his warrior's hearts? Where's his armor? Isn't the Messiah supposed to be this big warrior to come and slay all of our enemies and ransom us? How is that him? And yet John the Baptist knew because God the Father told him, the one you see the Spirit hover upon, he's the one. Behold him. Look at him. The promise is fulfilled. Now I'm going to say this, I'm going to have to qualify it very shortly, so just bear with me here. When we, see, when we think of ourselves as a servant of God, as an instrument of God, as God's prophet, his mouthpiece, as Mary says in her Magnificat, God's handmaiden, when we think of ourselves only as a servant of God, you are not good enough. And what I mean by that is, it is not good enough for God that we simply become his servant. He looks at, it, at us and he says, specifically in the first reading through the prophet Isaiah, it's not good enough for me for you to be my servant. How degrading it is to you as my beloved for you to just serve me and to be an instrument, to be this plaything. It's not good enough for me because I want so much more for you at the very, very, very basic level of what we do, at least. Sure. Be the servant of God. Serve the Lord joyfully. But as he says through Isaiah, I want more for you because I want to bring you into this plan, this action of salvation. You are the one that I want to go and reveal my light to the nations. You are the one that I want to be my mouthpiece and my prophet to go and to proclaim me so that people recognize me. You are the one I want to reveal me in the world. In no other world, religion, throughout all of human history is there a God who loves his people, who creates them only out of love and doesn't just want them to serve him, as some servants who are just miserable waiting on him hand and foot. We have a God who loves us and chooses us and brings us into this action of salvation. You have a role in the salvation of souls. Let me say that again. You, individually have a role to play in the saving of souls for the kingdom of God. It ain't just the priests. It's not just the Pope. It's not just the ministers. I want you to reveal me, the Lord says. When we truly behold the Lamb of God, that's what our hearts should want to do. All too often we come to the church, we come to Mass, we go to the sacraments, and we just go through the motions. And I get it, we're human beings, we are creatures of habit. How easy it is to just start going through the motions and lose sight of who it is we are encountering. When we lose sight of who it is we encounter, then we just get focused too much on the, what do I have to do, what do I do, what do I do? As a servant, to serve God. What is it that I have to physically go and do, Jesus? He says, that'll come later. What I want you to do first is become who you are, be who I made you to be, my beloved, my prophet, my chosen person that goes and reveals me in the world. See, Jesus being made in the image of God, being the son of God, being God himself, reveals the face of the father out in the world only because the spirit came to anoint him and gave him that authority, gave him that power. He reveals God because he's anointed by the Spirit. Now, think in other terms who else do we know is made in the image of God? Well, according to Genesis, all of us. Who receives the anointing of the Holy Spirit, say at baptism or maybe confirmation? All of us. Why then do we think that we aren't good enough to be sent out into the world to be another Christ? Don't get me wrong, you're not Jesus, you're not God. But he certainly does bring us into that action of saving souls, his beloved people. When we encounter the living God who sends us on that mission, we should be stopped in our tracks and be transformed in such a way to where we have nothing other to do than behold that Lamb of God. Behold the one who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the one that sends us into that ransomed world to save souls, to introduce those souls to him do we actually behold the Lord though do we actually spend time with him and look at him I'm going to say something that is very controversial and by no means do I mean to shame anyone or call anybody out but a lot of times at our evening masses during communion you'll hear those exterior doors starting to slam because as soon as we come up and behold the Lamb of God we jet to the parking lot to beat the traffic to go home mass is not over You haven't been sent forth yet. You haven't received the Lord's final blessing. Why would we leave? Why would we not want to be set on fire again and again and again to behold that Lamb of God who beholds us with sheer admiration, pure adoration, to behold us as his beloved? You individually are welcomed into that. You are called into that act of salvation. We're not just idle passerbys here. We're not just checking off an obligation on our Catholic Sunday box. We are brought into the very act of sanctifying our souls so that when people see us, they see another Christ. And they know who it is that we serve. Who it is that we know by whom we are transformed. In just a few moments when I'm at the altar and we're praying that Eucharistic prayer, you're going to hear those words again. Behold the Lamb of God. I encourage you, I urge you, I beg you if I have to. Give yourself the freedom to just look at him. Give yourself the freedom, the permission to behold the one who beholds you, who sends that same Holy Spirit down to remain at this altar to transform the bread and the wine into his body and his blood. Just behold the one who comes to meet you, to transform you, to heal you, to change you, to fulfill you. He calls you to be so much more than just some servile thing. You're his beloved. It is not enough for you to remain my servant, he says. I want so much more for you. You deserve so much more. But do you believe that? Do you behold that truth? Do you recognize the one who speaks through the scriptures, through the sacraments, but stands in idle silence before you, being held up, broken, and shared, as you hear those words again and again? Let them transform you. Brothers and sisters, behold. Behold that Lamb of God. Behold the one who takes away the sins of the world yes indeed blessed blessed are those who are all of us called to participate in that act of salvation called to participate in the supper of the lamb brothers and sisters behold because he's here thank you for listening the ministry here at ctk is made possible through our generous donors and golden givers if you would like to learn more or partner with christ the king on lsu's campus please visit ctklsu.org.